entrepreneurs will save the world. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. We focus on the mindset shifts entrepreneurs make to increase their influence and impact in the world. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope called The Dose of Hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at addvalue2life.com slash dose. addvalue2life.com slash dose. Our guest today is Janine Bowling. Janine has always loved figuring out how things work. A scientist from the beginning, she craved to dig into the mysteries of life and understand why things are the way they are. After working in the pharmaceutical industry for 15 years, she dropped out of corporate America to homeschool her four children. She has always had a side of business in her life and shares with other business owners and creatives how to manage a well-lived life of children, family, friends, and clients while not suffering from burnout. Her 12 books, 15 online courses, and four podcast programs are syndicated. Radio show all express her desire to share her systems and routines with others. Jeannie Boland shares the power of de a desire. Her first was wanting candy, which drove her to sell earthworms to bait shops. She's a passionate writer and supporter of authors, creating a network for authors to share their stories and increase awareness. Her secret power has been in her ability to replicate herself and if you don't like doing something, hire someone else to do it. Janine, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm just so excited to have this conversation and looking forward to uh, learning from your years of wisdom. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can pull out of the hat. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, I just ask my guests to share their own entrepreneurial journey and how they got started as an entrepreneur and what they're working on now. Um, I got started when I was 10 years old and my entrepreneurial journey goes way, way back to that. And it was because my parents wouldn't give me candy and my parents didn't believe in a, in a, uh, allowance. And so my very first job was I wanted to make money just so I could go out and buy myself candy that I wanted, you know, and that was the beginning. And then the very first business I had was selling earthworms to bait shops. Yeah, I was that kid. I'd get on my bicycle and I'd go to the pond and I'd put my plywood down and, you know, after school and I'd load up because the way you get night crawlers is you go and you load up the side of the bank with water and then you put a piece of plywood down, right? And the worms would then come up to the surface and then you dig them out and rinse them off. And then you take your bucket to their bait shop before you went to school in the morning, get everything washed off, hop on the bus, head to school. <laughs> All right. I got to say, candy's a pretty powerful one. It is a very powerful motivator, especially <laughs> when you're in middle school. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. All right. So tell us how we progressed from candy and earthworms 
to supporting <laughs> authors in podcasting. <laughs> right. Well, there was a couple of decades in between. <laughs> Well, you can give us the longer version, but that lowers the number of questions we get to ask. I know, I understand, uh, but no, uh, that mo that transitioned then into helping authors because uh, currently this year I'm working on book number twelve, and I just noticed how many authors were in my field that were constantly asking me, Janine, how do you do this? Janine, how do you do that? And so one of the things I thought was really wonderful was being able to help authors take their book on a virtual tour because it's super easy. And then uh, we had 2020 and then everybody joined my party. See, I've been online since about 2015 <laughs> and, and I used to spend most of my time teaching people how to download Zoom and how to work with Zoom. And then Zoom now has all these wonderful videos. So I don't have to do that anymore. And I'm just so glad everybody's joined my party. It's just so nice <laughs> to see everyone. <laughs> so now that we're here, it's wonderful to be able to share with people how to take your book on a virtual tour. Well, for me, I like the, I like the fact that you recognize People were asking me these questions over and over again, mm -hmm. and I decided this is a place where I can solve a problem. And, yes. and that's really at the heart of entrepreneurship. Yep, exactly. And I've run uh, 17 businesses in my lifetime. And so, yes, exactly so. Well done, Robert. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> You're nailing it, dude. <laughs> so obviously, you understand connection, creating virtual tours, um, let's let's talk about how, what that does for for an author creating connections. Creating connections, okay. So that's like, what's the doctor you want to go to? Okay, are we talking cardiology? Are we talking ophthalmology? Are we talking about ear, nose, and throat? Okay, help me out here. So, <laughs> creating creating connection is what you do as a human being on planet earth. I know very few people who do well in solitary. So you do it all the time. So all you have to do is kind of play to your strengths and instead of focusing on your weaknesses and trying to change them, de-emphasize them. So that's what I do is I constantly hire people that are much better at doing certain things and that's their passion rather than me trying to get over my weakness. I de-emphasize it. I hire somebody who that's their forte. So when it comes to making connections, that's the first thing I think about is what is it that I'm really good at? And that's what, and do I like doing it? Is it a lot of fun? Okay, that's what I'm gonna make the business out of is that thing. And then, all right, there's all this other stuff you gotta do because you're a business owner. So I'm just gonna make a lot of money doing all what I really like doing so I can hire out everything else out. That's <laughs> kind of my, that's my, that's my business plan. <laughs> well, and, and that's fantastic, right? But it can be challenging for a business owner, many business owners to let go, right? They started their business and, and they like having control over all of the elements. They may not like the accounting. They may not like some of the things that they, they outsource, but there's still elements of their business that they find hard to let go of. Um, and, and that, I, and that yeah. holds them back from scale, right. right? Yeah, I would ask them why. Why? Because why? nobody can do it as well as you? That's a crock. We both know that, right, Robert? I mean, come on now. There's a lot of people out there can do that. So what I recommend is, what is it you really like doing? Like for me, I love doing guest appearances. I absolutely love interviewing people like you and other business owners. I enjoy hearing other people's stories. 
everything else that's affiliated, pre-production, post-production, doing the video, handling the audio files, I have no interest. That's why I have a team of eight other people that do pre and post-production. I just handle the podcast end of it. And then I run around uh, talking to people like you doing the other part. So that's where you really focus, right? So when an entrepreneur looks at me and goes, oh, I just can't afford someone, I'm like, that is not necessarily helping you. What you need to do is figure out, stuff some money aside if you want, grab a VA, and then say to them, look, we're, you know, here's like, for instance, here's $500. Work your way through that and let me know when you hit 420 so that I know that I need to start thinking about other things for you to do. And what, what was interesting is every time I've hired a VA, my business has tripled. So I now have four VAs, <laughs> okay, <laughs> because my business just keeps expanding. So how do you do that? Well, you sit on Loom or Zoom and you watch yourself as you're going through the same repetitive tasks over and over and over. And then you videotape it, walking your person through saying, hey, this is how I do XYZ, PDQ. I want you to do it exactly this way, unless we you know, do it some other way. But this is the system that I want you to use. Here's the copywriting. This is the script I want you to use, blah, blah, blah. And you ship it off and you let them handle it. And then you move on to the next great thing. So anyhow, that's how I do it anyway. I like it. Not only have you encouraged us to outsource, you gave us an instruction manual for, for how to help them get started. <laughs> Correct. And so people say, so you didn't get my message on LinkedIn? I went, no, I have a team of two people that handle my LinkedIn. I have a separate team of two people that handle Facebook. And I don't even mess with Twitter because that's the third person on group. So it's like, I don't handle any of these things. I don't do these things. Why? Because people that are meeting with me on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter are all potential clients and they have to come through a very specific funnel. This is how I bring people into my world. This is how I bring people into that connection, which is what we started with Robert. <laughs> but it's like, I do want to connect with them, but they're going to have to connect my way because I have a calendar of a life. I know that sounds odd, but I do. I have a calendar, I have a life, I have four children, three different colleges that they're going to. I have another one that's out of college and I really wanna be available to them when they have certain events that are going on. And so my most valuable resource is not my money, it's my time, okay? And so if I don't control the time, that's what's important. And so when entrepreneurs say, well, I don't wanna let go of control of what I am doing, I'm like, are you crazy? You get more time. And that is something that is precious and cherished. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you talked about the funnel and, and obviously you're using LinkedIn and, and social media as, as top end. Um, what, what tools have been most effective for, for building your audience, for, for reaching more people? Um, my team and my script. Um, I've been doing it for seven years, okay? And it's the same. Somebody will say, hey, Janine, I'd like to connect with you. We'll use LinkedIn because I like LinkedIn for business owners, okay? So, hey, Janine, I want to connect with you on LinkedIn. Well, my team member goes, hey, Janine wants to meet with you too. Did you know she has a podcast show? And then, you know, they put a link. Feel free to subscribe and let us know which show you like best. Of course, it, they're using my voice because I've written the entire script, right? And then... They ghost me because, you know, people are busy, 
things are happening. They, they wanted to connect with me. You know, it takes them a while to get back, whatever. Two weeks later, they kick out another message and they say, hey, we, you wanted to connect with Janine a couple of weeks ago. She's written a blog post. Check it out. And then they send a link. So we're constantly coming back to them every two weeks. And we do that for three months. And after three months, we start connecting with them once a month until we get them on a Zoom call. It normally it never takes us three months. People almost always pop in a couple of weeks and apologizing to me like, oh my gosh, Janine, I'm so sorry. I forgot, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, and there's a script. Oh, don't worry about it. We all get busy. You know, we, who isn't busy? <laughs> Just like, you know, it's a very crazy, very busy world right now. And so we're like, everybody gets busy. Don't worry about it. Here's my calendar link. Want to have a 15 minute Zoom? And yes, I'm down to where when I'm meeting somebody new for the first time, it's 15 minutes because usually I can tell in 15 minutes whether or not I'm a good fit. And if I'm not a good fit, I've usually checked out their LinkedIn page and I have a list in my head of three people that I'm gonna recommend that they go to and I introduce them away from me because they're not a good fit, right? And I'm not gonna waste their time. People's precious, their time is so precious. And I feel that way about my time. I feel that way about other people's time that I'll send them off to other people. And that, is a second level of connection. Since you're bringing this up, I'll be glad to walk you through it. <laughs> the first connection is when they reach out to you because they've heard you, seen you, wanted to connect with you from some sort of networking group. So you need to have a follow-up system. And then the second thing is the connections that you have with people who already know you. You want to make sure that you're referring people to them for no other reason to help them build their network. So this is how you go about it. And then I highly recommend that you attend at least one networking group every week. Now, if you want to rotate through those, like you rotate through that networking group, that's fine. But you want your networking groups to get to know you and you want to be there consistently, as consistently as you can, so that you can support that particular networking group. And you want to have follow-up systems and you want to make sure that everybody knows what you do for a living. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so that's three levels of connection. So I just wanted to wrap that up for you. <laughs> nice. Well, that's that's a, that's the way we like it when it all makes sense. Yeah. So one of your specialties, one of the things that that you teach really well on is is money, and obviously entrepreneurs and and can have a love hate relationship with money. Um, like you mentioned, it takes money to run a business. It takes money to hire VAs. It takes money to to outsource. Um, and, and many entrepreneurs at those levels are, are still struggling with a scarcity mindset mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and typically don't understand that you have to let go of money for money to come back to you. Correct. <laughs> so so let's talk a little bit about the spirituality of money and, and the movement of money and, 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 and how to shift from focusing on money as a scarce object to believing and understanding its abundance. Well, I happen to be very fortunate. I live about 45 minutes north of the Denver Mint. <laughs> <laughs> now, true, they don't they don't handle bills there. It's just coins. But you're going to get the concept. Lots Money, and lots and lots of them. <laughs> lots of them. Yes, it sounds like the world's biggest pachinko machine or uh, whatever you want to call those things. Because when you're in there, it's just like the ringing. You see everybody running around with earmuffs bigger than mine when they're at the Mint. But the thing is this, money is made every day. Every day, more of it, every day, internationally. 
there is no shortage of money. Okay. And so when you come to the spiritual part of it, the spiritual mindset, um, I like to say to people, how's your meditations going? Of course you get a variety of answers. And I'm like, if you're an entrepreneur you need, you need to be meditating, especially if you're one of these entrepreneurs, that's a social entrepreneur, like you're trying to solve a social challenge or a social situation. And if you're in part of a nonprofit organization, you, you better have ways of connecting with your source energy, your creator. You know, I, 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 I've met many people who are atheists, but we're not talking to those people. We're talking to people who want to add value to their lives, right? So we're not talking about that whole segment. We're talking about people who are like, I'm on a mission. I have to do this. These are the entrepreneurs I love working with. They're the ones that say, if I don't do this, I will die. I have to get out of this other job and I have to do this full time. Help me, Janine, right? Or help me, Robert, right? So I'm like, okay, we're going to do the best we can to help you in that situation. So the first thing we're going to work on is money. No, the first thing we're going to work on is your, <laughs> it's your focus. We're going to really, what is the value you want to bring? What is the pain point? you want to solve for people. And the more fuzzy that is, and the less specific, the more I'm going to dig, dig, poke, poke, dig, dig, poke, poke, until you know exactly what you're doing. Because the whole scarcity mindset of money is just fear-based. It's because you don't know your freaking value. You mm. don't think what you have is valuable to the other person. So the fact that you're not making money isn't for any other reason than you're not sure of the value. And I've had people bust on me for my hourly rate. Like they're like, I can't believe you charge that much. And I'm like, well, I've been doing this since I was 10. So you're going to pay for those decades of education that I've received on that. And so that's one of the other things, right? And you and I both know how much we invest in ourselves. I mean, how many courses have you taken, Robert? You know, do you have, do you have a count? It is. That's true. It's hundreds. It's thousands, yeah. thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. More, Would than, you like to more know than my, my retirement. <laughs> right? It's like, I can go back and it's hundreds of thousands of dollars I've invested because I knew my mission was that important. Now, this is a rule I have. Other people don't, but I have it. And that is, I will not go into debt for my business. Mm -hmm. I will not take out a loan or anything. I did that once back in 1987. <laughs> I will never do it again because it put so much stress on me. I couldn't have fun with my job. If I cannot have fun with my business, then what am I doing, right? What are we doing? We have to be passionate entrepreneurs. We got to make this like rock and roll. That has, we, we need to be bouncing out of bed going, I get to do this again today. It's not I have to, it's I get to, right? It's exciting. At least it is for me. And if it isn't for other people, then I'm like, please focus on what you're doing. Oh, and I tell them, tell them all focus. the time. If if you're not enjoying the journey, you're on the wrong bus. Pull the damn right. cord and get off. Get 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 off. You don't <laughs> want to be on it. I'm not talking about your bad days because Lord knows I I have them guilty as charged. Like last week, I can give you two days in a row wow. where it was one of those like really challenging. And but I have four one one calls that I can make to friends who are like, talk me off the ledge, having a bad entrepreneurial day right now. And they're like, well, what happened? I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk <laughs> about where I'm going. I don't want because that's another thing. Entrepreneurs are like, talk about rose colored glasses. We're some of the most positive people you're ever going to meet just because we are incredibly and annoyingly 
optimistic. <laughs> and and focused on what we can control. Right. We're very aware that, of how much we don't have control over. <laughs> but but once that bad thing's happened, it's done. Like mm -hmm. I can there, there's no sense talking about it. It's back there. I can't change it. I can't fix it. I can't make it any better. It just is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to focus on what I can do going forward. You know, the example is the person has a flat tire on their way to work Monday morning and we get to Friday and they're still talking about how the flat tire messed up their day, their week, their hour. Like, But a flat tire just is right. It's not mm -hmm. good or mm -hmm. bad. They happen to everybody. Rubber on the bottom of a car is prone to go flat. That's the reason we put spare tires in trunks is because it's the cheapest tool to take with you in your car because a flat tire is pretty common. And so you can let the flat tire ruin your day, ruin your hour, or you can say, man, I missed all that traffic because I was changing my flat tire. And now I got to work that much faster and I'm done with it. Right. It's back there. It's past. And I'm moving forward instead of using it as an excuse for my attitude, as an excuse for being late, as an excuse for my calendar being messed up, as an excuse for yelling at my kids when I get home. But that's what so many people do. They get caught up on the things they can't change, can't control, can't make any difference with. And I think entrepreneurs recognize, mm -hmm. I got a ton of stuff I can't control, so I ain't going to worry about it. I got to focus on those things that I can control. And guess what? When I get to choose, I'm going to choose positive. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose mm -hmm. gratitude. I'm going to choose happy. Because why would I choose the other option? Well, and... Uh, what you're saying is what I, I learned when I was raised in Japan. My dad was in the military, and so I was raised in my elementary school years in Japan. And so the Buddhist monks would teach us that there are uh, three emotions uh, that you always want to find yourself in. Like if you can't be in one of the emotions, pick one of the other ones. And the first one is enthusiasm. You know, you can't live life 100% enthusiastic. I mean, very, very few people that I know can maintain that level of enthusiasm and not just burn out. But you can live in enjoyment. So it's enthusiasm. And the second one is enjoyment. Now, if you can't be enthusiastic or be enjoyment because you have a flat tire on the side of the road and you're trying to get to work, then you can fall into what they call acceptance. And that's exactly what you just said. Yeah, I'm just wanted to reinforce what Robert's saying here, which is you can be in acceptance. And acceptance is saying, oh, goody, I got a flat tire. I'm going to miss traffic. No, that's putting a happy face sticker on something that sucks. All right. And I'm not going to do it. Right. And so that's, that's where I go with that. But as the Buddhists say, it keeps you out of suffering and it keeps you from causing other people to suffer. Because if you're sitting there in acceptance, you're going to probably work a lot quicker than you normally would if you were frustrated and angry. And then you're not upsetting yourself. You're not caught it causing suffering for yourself. And then for the people that you walk around and talk to or what have you, that they're not going to be suffering from your diatribe that you're, you know, spewing forth because of the, of the situation. Not saying you repress everything. I'm just saying those are the three, those are the three emotions you kind of want to focus on. And acceptance is that statement of it just is. It, it just is. It and just is. I, I've had some people walk up to me and go, well, it is what it is. And you look at them, you're like, no, that's not what you're, no. no <laughs> that's that. right. You, that you. is you rolling over on your back going, well, just go ahead and lacerate me because <laughs> there's nothing I can do about that. It's one of those things where you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to scream. So I understand why some entrepreneurs like you start talking to them about acceptance and they're like 
get away from me, Satan, go, go. Because they've seen that, well, it is what it is. And you're just like, no, this is not what we're talking about. So anyway, so those are the three states that you definitely want to work with yourself if you can. And, and then the reply to that, it is what it is, is no, it is what you think it is. <laughs> is that the new, is that the new one? See, That's it's mine. Almost, That's what I'm going to tell them. It takes me back to high school. I'm like, oh, really? Are we back in high school again? Oh, my God. We're going to start doing this thing back and forth. It's like, I don't have time. Excuse me. I'm moving on to my next project. Why? Because life is a project. Why? Because I'm an entrepreneur. Life is a project. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Janine, what, what have mentors meant on your journey? Well, I have had so many. So that's why I was kind of like, okay, trying to catalog all of those amazing people is going to be challenging. So I remember I was very young. It was 1969. And I won't tell you how old I am. Well, see, I was raised in the Asian world and women at my age were always very proud. Like, okay, so I'm 58. All right. And Asian women are very proud. Like I made it to 58. Right. You know, I made it to 62, 65. When I'm 75, I'm going to be telling everybody how old I am. Right. Because it's like you celebrate every day because you may not have made it because so many of my family didn't make it to 58. I'm, I'm one of the old ones in my family. OK, so anyhow. But so in 1969 and I remember there was a statement that I heard from uh, Robert Kennedy. And he was talking about his brother and he was saying, always surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. Mm. And I was so young and I was like watching this guy and my mom was crying, you know, because it was a very traumatic time in the sixties and the Kennedys and all that kind of stuff. And I just remember my mom being very upset and I'm like, what's wrong? And she was trying to explain, you know, world politics to this five-year-old. <laughs> she did a great job by the way. But I just remembered that from this black and white television set, you know, where they were showing the different speeches that were going on and stuff like that. And I thought, wow, that's kind of different. And he's like, don't be worried about being jealous of them or whatever. If they're smarter than you, then you're going to be getting some of the best advice. So I always sought out people like you would seek out a book at a library, mm -hmm. right? Because the, the, the book is just advice from people who aren't there, right? So you, I, I found libraries to be wonderful places. So most of my mentors have been authors. So Nice. Well, and I think that's what motivates you uh, to, to be an author, right? Is because mm -hmm. you know that you're, you can reach far more people with a book than you can in person. Well, uh, that's because of Sam Walton, actually. <laughs> I got to meet him. <laughs> um, Sam Walton gave me some of the best advice I've ever heard. Of course, I didn't know he was Sam Walton at the time. And for those of you who are like, who's Sam Walton? The owner of Walmart. <laughs> and this was back when I was 15, 16. And I lived about 10 miles from the Arkansas border in Southern Missouri. And what was interesting is as I was cleaning this house, I happened to see this old farmer get out of a 1956 green Ford pickup. And I was like, oh, wow, he must be going to something nice because he had clean bib overalls and he had the Walmart cap, you know, and it was all new. It was all new. I was like, wow, he, he went to town and got himself fresh, you know, fresh uh, clothes. And so as I was sitting there chatting with him, I was complaining about our local Walmart, which was 27 miles away. 
and I was telling him about how the women clothing there sucked. And I was very frank, and I'd let him know how hard I work for my money, because at the time I was making $5 an hour to clean people's homes. And I was like, how hard I work for my money and how long I had to work, and then they'd fall apart in the third laundry. And I said, so I'm resorting to running around looking like a dyke. I know that's not politically correct. That's what I said to Sam Walton. I run around looking like a guy just because women's clothing is so awful that I will buy men's clothing so that I can do that. Sam Walton turned to me and he said, what's your name? And I gave him my name and he gave me a card and it was the card of the local district manager of local Walmart. And he said, in 30 days, I want you to go back. And if you're not happy with the clothing, I want you to give me a call. This is my number. He writes it down. And I said, what are you like the owner of the company? You know, typical 15 year old does nothing off. And then that's when Sam Walton looked at me and he said, I know him very well. See, still didn't tell me who he was. And then he said, uh, two things you need to know is being an entrepreneur. He goes, number one, you have to learn to replicate yourself. And he goes, number two, if you don't like the job, hire someone else to do it. And those were two of the best pieces of advice he gave me. So I became an author because I wanted, that was the, what I had available to me in the moment to replicate myself. And then CDs came out, and that was much cheaper than cassette tapes, especially to mail, put through the mail. So I replicated myself through audio, and then that's what started my whole audio odyssey at that point. But yes, I then learned who Sam Walton was and was like, wow, I couldn't believe he spent 20 minutes with a crazy teenager in the middle of southern Missouri, Ripley County, giving her advice when she was 15 years old, but I will never forget it. Well, and it sounds like you were pretty wise at five to have absorbed Robert Kennedy's words and, and now Sam Walton's words and, and and to give them credit as as early mentors. Uh, are, are very powerful voices, obviously. Yes, very powerful for me anyway. <laughs> well, I, I think they were pretty powerful in, in our nation as influencers as well. Just a little. Ne neither one of them had a Twitter account, by the way. They were still- Wi-Fi. Pretty influential. Right, right. <laughs> we will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Good old Elon Musk. He's bought he's bought Twitter now. So, yeah. you know, we can we can all rest easy. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think it's political. I I think it's business. He's too smart. It's business. It's all about how he can expand his business. And so <laughs> people can have opinions about how how or why or what he's doing, but I promise you it's it's a business move. It's not a it's not a free speech move or a save the planet move. It's a it's how can Elon Musk expand his empire move. Right. And the big thing for us is how is it going to help us move forward in our mission and our business? 
And you know what I say? Not a whit. Moving on. <laughs> exactly. I got to get back to my project. Excuse me. And my project happens to be on this awesome show, Add Value to you know, pod, uh, Entrepreneurs Podcast, and chatting with Robert Peterson. That's the important thing right now. There we go. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned some pretty pretty cool mentors. Obviously, Sam Walton um, it was pretty authentic. You you mentioned his, you know, still in his bib overalls, driving his 56 Ford truck. So how important is character and authenticity in, in growing your business, especially as, as a in on, on audio, in, in radio, and being able to be your authentic self? That is a word that's been used quite a bit. I hear it over and over and over. Mm. Everybody's demanding from everybody else to be authentic, but they themselves lie. Oh, wow. And I can spot it a mile away. I can spot it a mile away. Human beings are walking lie detectors. So if you're going to demand from other people that they be authentic, you, by goodness, better be as authentic as you know how to be in that moment to them. And so that's one of the things that I will call people out on. Why are you lying to me? I do this on Zoom all the time. I have people that are like, no, I'm not getting on Zoom and I'm turning my video off. Janine's there. And I don't blame you because if you're trying to hide... <laughs> I'll call you on your stuff because that's how uh, authentic I am with myself and with others. And if I have somebody say to me, Janine, uh, I just wanted to let you know you messed what up XYZ PDQ on, you know, whatever project I'm working on. I'm like, you, you betcha. I own it. Right. But there are people whose ego will try to get them to hide. They'll start justifying. They'll talk about, you know, their sick grandma and, oh my gosh, this happened, that happened, deflect it. But let's talk about what's really going on here. And that is you messed up. Just own it and move on. I'm not asking you to beat yourself up. I don't want anybody to do that. Right. We all make mistakes, but please just own it. And so if you're going to talk about authenticity and character and all those sorts of things, you don't have to look any further than your own heart. Mm. You know when you're hiding. You know when you're afraid. And you know when you're trying to cover up something that you don't want anyone else to see. That's that two-year-old that's afraid of being caught and doesn't want anybody to know. That's usually when I get on the air and I air my dirty laundry for everyone to hear. Well, sure messed up this week. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> well, and... That also creates a, a different view of failure, right? Because our, our culture has created this expectation. And I think it starts when we're grading kids in school that, that failure is a bad thing, that we're supposed to feel guilty about failure, that going home and having your parents sign the test or the report that, that you failed on is, is a negative experience. And, and we, doc, we don't create safe spaces for people to make mistakes. And I think entrepreneurs figure out that making mistakes is part of the journey. Making mistakes and owning them is, is just normal. <laughs> and, it, and when you figure out that you can make mistakes, you can own them and you can grow, that, that that's when great things can start to happen because that's where real personal growth takes place is when we make mistakes, we've goofed it up terrible and we own it and we say, all right, how do I not do that again? Mm -hmm. It's so true. And I, I learned to laugh at myself a lot. Like I'll just start laughing and I'll go, Oh my gosh, no, I did that. Like 
I literally will raise my hand and go, nope, that's me, all me, my bad. And that was one of my favorite sayings that came out of the millennials. And I'm so grateful to that generation because, because Wi-Fi hit and they're online with everybody in their mother's uncle. They came up with that, oh, nope, my bad, right? Because technology was so goofy right? The, you didn't know, hey, is it my cell service? Is it your cell service? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Right? We do it on Zoom now. Now it's on Zoom. Can you hear me? Hello? You know, unmute yourself. But the millennials came up with that, my bad. And I love that because they would just own it so fast and nobody busted on them like they did with our generation. Our generation had the failure issue. Well, in case you hadn't noticed, uh, there isn't an, a successful entrepreneur on planet who hasn't failed. If you're, you know that now, now we have the statement of fail faster. If you want to succeed in life, fail faster, which is thank God for the millennials who are showing us how it gets done. So that's what I really encourage people to focus on when it comes to the failure and success. So I have done incredible things that I would be happy to air my dirty laundry for anyone to see when it comes to, you know, I threw $25,000 at a problem and guess what? Didn't fix it. And guess what? Had to spend another 11300 to fix that problem. And I'm looking at, you know, the bills racking up and I'm sitting here going, I hope the problem gets fixed. And finally, Google said, okay, you're out of the penalty box. We'll open your website now. Right. So there's a lot of stuff that can that can happen and none of it within your control mm -hmm. and how you respond to it is going to be what works. So um, back to your earlier stuff about connections and authenticity and character. It really is. Why are you in the business? And I have a crystal clear vision for myself. I have a crystal clear vision for my company and I have clear vision for my team. And even if it's just you and your partner, or if it's you and your VA, and those are the only two of you working uh, in your business, just make sure you both are super clear on what it means. And it wouldn't hurt to have a picture mm -hmm. up there that you guys could focus on when times get tough. Well, and then I think the piece that backs up vision or supports vision is your values. And, and, and for a lot of entrepreneurs, drawing out their values, drawing out what's what's really important to them, because you can build a business and you can make money. But if it runs, you know, runs over your family, you mentioned, you know, now you've got four kids in college. And so now your business has to, you know, create opportunities for you to communicate with adult kids, which is different than what your business might look like if you've got four kids under the age of 10. Right. And I think entrepreneurs need to know what's important to them vision for their business but also values for their family to establish boundaries around those things that are important so that they, they can design and build their business around those things and that is one aspect to it i just call it time <laughs> um you guys can call it values you can call it goal setting and all that but it all comes back to me i'm one of those people i i don't like to label a lot of stuff i like to simplify i'm i'm like i over, some people tell me janine you oversimplify i go no i don't <laughs> i do not oversimplify i simplify so things are crystal clear to me it makes it super easy to have a target people talk about boundaries and values and all that and i'm like how are you spending your time and what do you want out of life those are the only two questions you really need to ask yourself. It's like, what do you want out of your life? And 
how are you spending your time? And the way you're spending your time will dictate what your values are. So don't, uh, sorry, I don't mean to be combative, but this is kind of how it is sometimes on my coaching sessions. So, so you're sitting there working 75 hours a week and you're ignoring your family, but you're telling me that your values are family values. Skip that noise. You're lying to me, right? So you people like hire me to look at their calendar. I see what you're doing in a day with your calendar. So those are some things that I like to bring to people's attention. Well, absolutely. But they're not necessarily lying. They got distracted or they believe differently about money or time. And so that they're asking you to coach them and help them make a change back to where they want to be. Right. And so a job especially can get distracting. Right. You think I've got to take care of my family. We've been all we've been told our whole lives that to take care of your family, you got to get the big job and you got to bring home the bigger paycheck. And they get focused on bringing home the bigger paycheck, but they're spending all their time in doing it. And, and so they're, they're, they've lost the focus of that their family is really important, which, of course, why our divorce rates up and we have way too many kids with, you know, without two parents <laughs> taking care of them because they've been distracted. So I love that you call them out and I love that you help them. All right. I, the, the biggest test is always the calendar and the checkbook, right? <laughs> where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your money? And th those are the two big ones. And when I say that uh, you're lying to me, it's not, I could give a rat butt if you're lying to me. <laughs> I don't care. You can go ahead and lie to me, but it's your life and you're lying to yourself. And, and that's where the compassion comes in. And I do a lot of things to be kind of a joke and all that kind of stuff and giggle about it. But it, I do use the word lying because these are things we tell ourselves. And when people talk about, uh, limiting beliefs and all that. I'm like, oh, you mean the way we lie to ourselves? And people are like, well, no, it's not really lying. And I'm like, oh, that's it's not PC anymore to say the word lying, right? It's not good. We, we, we cloak it in other words. And so that's where Janine just pokes it with a stick and goes, we're lying, <laughs> right? And people are like, shh, no, it's self-limiting beliefs. Oh, you mean the way you lie to yourself in the mirror? Got it. <laughs> It, it is absolutely a lie. And, and if you listen, you listen to that voice and you don't call it out, it'll continue to lie to you. <laughs> yep. It's absolutely a lie. Right. That same voice, when you get a great idea and you're like, oh, I could double my income. Oh, I could make $20,000 in a month. And that little voice says, you, how are you going to do that? That's the, that's a lie. Because if you got yes. the idea, if you got the idea, the creator that gave you the idea, is absolutely ready to back you up and empower mm -hmm. you and equip you and give you all of the paths, all the next steps, all the tools and bring all the people to you that need to make it happen to make that idea become reality because he's not a cruel creator. He loves us and he wants the very best for us. And he wouldn't give us ideas that we weren't capable of pulling off. And that and is truth right there, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I always love it when somebody gets on a rant like that. Well done, Robert. Yeah, nailed it. Nailed it and won. Good job. But, but it is, it is, that is where, where the voice lies. The voice yes. is a liar. It, it is absolutely a liar and it absolutely wants to stop you from doing what you were created to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh I think if I think most of my friends know this, but don't tell me to face reality because that ain't happening. Um, I like to tell people, what reality, that's old news. You're like, no, you need to focus on the now. I'm like, yeah, what's standing in front of my face is old news because 
I had an idea back in the back there in the past that has now manifested what you see before you. Mm. And I am focused on where I'm moving toward those goals with those values and blah, blah, blah. And so don't tell me to face reality. I, I'm, I'm moving too fast. Thank you. Oh, love that. So let's talk about creating reality. You kind of <laughs> hinted at it there. But... That's a lot of fun. I thoroughly enjoy it. It is the part of the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur that I thrive in because I'm like, all right, boys, strap in your five plane harness. Here we go. Because I, my dad used to fly helicopters. And so there was always a five point harness when you were in a helicopter. And so nice. I'm like, strap in your five point harness. We're going for a ride. And people are like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I woke up with an idea. We have the resources. We have the systems in place. We only need to make this tweak, that tweak, and we should be good to go. And we can charge people fifteen five, you know, fifteen thousand five, to do this system. And that's when my team goes, "Oh my god!" because they know it's going to work, and they know we better be prepped because here comes the income. And sure enough, it does. So that's one of the fun things that I like about it. But there are times when you have that idea, you have the resources and everything, and you put it all out there crickets <laughs> so that's where that other what is that joke about advertising 50 percent of my advertising budget works i just wish i could figure out which piece of the 50 50 percent <laughs> is the one that works because you can never quite figure out on the advertising budget which 50 percent was it that actually was successful yes it's even more challenging in this digital marketing space. <laughs> you know it. Because they tell us about links and affiliate links, but I'm I still struggle struggle trying to find where things are going. There's a lot of black holes that just swallow up money. <laughs> and then it comes from places and you're like, how how did that get into the account? What does Stripe track it? I mean, Stripe will track it. <laughs> But where are these people and why do this 20 people in Italy all of a sudden want this program? Yeah. <laughs> or am I the um, only entrepreneur that stands there looking at my account going, I, I, I have no idea where all this money came from, but thank you because we have a project that we're doing that needs that money. So, Well, you just mentioned two pretty powerful words and we already talked about, you know, character and authenticity, but let's talk about gratitude in, in, mm in changing your spirit and changing your attitude? So uh, the word gratitude, if you want to see, I'm an analytical biochemist by training. And so I really like physics and oscilloscopes and frequencies and stuff like that. So, you know, you start talking megahertz and stuff like that and I get really excited. So we're going to talk about frequency. And so the word gratitude um, isn't as helpful for me as the word appreciation. Gratitude uh, is kind of like, I'm so grateful that I didn't bottom out my Corvette as I went over that speed bump. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Whereas appreciation is, oh, check out this smooth road. Okay. So I like to say that appreciation kind of has a little bit higher frequency. However, in our culture, the attitude of gratitude has really been big. So a lot of people use the word gratitude. And I, we have enough word Nazis running around um, from our people, you know, it's really difficult to figure out what word can I use that's safe. And, and so I don't want you to think that that's not a safe word. Gratitude is wonderful. It's just, I want to live at a higher frequency. I want to live in appreciation. 
I don't want to have a negative something that I'm grateful. Oh my God, I'm thankful that's over, right? You know, oh my God, <laughs> I made it. Woo! I got to the other side. To me, that's the word. Gratitude is like that for me, right? It's like, I've come through something. Oh, thank God. Kiss the ground. I made it off the ship. I'm on the beach. Okay. So for me, appreciation's uh, the word I like to uh, really focus on. So I'm not nitpicking at you, but yeah, I'm nitpicking at you on the word choice. But to me, these are the things that really change the reality that I'm living in and, and change the focus and help unfold uh, the projects in a more positive direction for me, you know, Absolutely. for the last 17 years. And <laughs> And the meaning and the meaning for one person that, that is gratitude could be appreciation for another. And they can have the exact exactly. same feeling and the exact same vibrational right. frequency. Right. And so I'm not going to quibble about that. I'm just letting you know, this is the world according to Janine. And it doesn't necessarily need to work for you. It may not be the what you need. Yeah, you may need a different mentor. Although, although I've been in an aircraft before and when it landed on the ground, <laughs> I'll admit there was a great deal of gratitude. <laughs> I will own it. I am in a moment of gratitude right here and now. Let me kiss the ground. Uh, oh, yeah. We've done, yeah. I think everyone's had a thank you, Jesus moment. Oh, huh? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, I was a teenage driver. I get it. <laughs> my friends all survived riding in my truck, so. They had some more grateful moments than I did even. <laughs> when you're holding everything. onto the steering wheel, you have a lot more control. <laughs> oh. So how did you choose your, your niche, your, 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 who you serve? Mm. It was very challenging because I'm a Renaissance woman. I have been involved in so many different aspects of life and I've been a scholar and a scientist and a sacred clown. So, you know, been through a lot of different types of aspects. So a lot of different demographics that I have enjoyed working with. It was difficult. So I, the niche that I'm currently serving is authors and uh, businesses with podcasting. And it was difficult at first because I didn't know whether to call myself promotional podcasting or author podcasting. And I decided that the more I narrowed down, the better. So I went with author podcasting and then proceeded to have a Canadian company hire us for promotional podcasting. <laughs> so remember what I was telling you about, you know, you, you do everything you can, you do everything you can control, but this is what ends up happening. So that's what happened for me was, you know, I ended up doing both. Well, that's the truth about a niche, though, is it's important for your communication. It's important for your marketing. It's important for the language that you choose to use about your business. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to say no to somebody that's just a little bit outside of it. Right. I mean, the whole point of a niche is communication. It's a tool. It's not a, well, no, they don't fit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there are those. There are those. You need to know who those people are, too, though. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that was very uh, challenging for me. And so I kept author podcasting. I continue to talk to authors. I have projects wrapped around authors. But at the same time, I have business owners that hire my team to run episodes. And so uh, we ran like 217 episodes in 18 months, uh, my team and I, for other businesses. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's that's definitely ways to support the team and, and keep things rolling. But more experience as well. Right. And so, oh yeah. Learned yeah, a lot. Absolutely. It is very powerful. All right, Jeannie, what inspires you? Oh, what inspires me? I get inspiration from some of the craziest stuff. Um, cartoons. 
oh my god i love cartoons so much and if it's like hannah barbera and warner brothers you know daffy duck and and all that uh the other thing is uh japanese anime uh my my children are like oh my gosh mom i can't believe you're watching that one right you know and stuff like that because it's like real juvenile but uh art so the that then translated into hayao miyazaki uh, and when I first time I saw my friend Totoro, I was just like, oh man, I'm back in Japan because being, you know, being raised in Japan, but then coming to the United States, it took years and years before, um, you know, now you have whole networks like Crunchyroll and all that other kind of stuff running around Funimation, all that. And I'm like, oh my, I've died and gone to heaven. There's nothing but <laughs> anime everywhere. It's great. So that, that is really what inspires me, uh, that is man-made, but nothing can beat nature. And that's why I, I live in Colorado because every morning I go for my walk and I look at those mountains and I go, Oh, I live here. <laughs> I appreciate where I live. Mm, absolutely. All right. So what do you love to do in your free time with your kids when you get to see them? So what I love to do in my free time is hand stitch uh, apparel and quilts and I, I love sewing. I wow. absolutely love sewing. So I do a lot of hand stitching. But then when the kids and I get together, we enjoy doing puzzles, watching movies, and going out and blowing bubbles and blowing up balloons and having parties. And just, we always find an excuse to celebrate. Uh, my kids and I, we all have little bracelets that say, celebrate today. Hmm. And it's a reminder that we don't know what's around the corner. We have no idea. So celebrate anything that you can today. And so I absolutely love those national calendar things. Like, you know, today is chocolate chip cookie day. Woohoo, let's celebrate. You know, it sounds really stupid, but when you come from a military background, like I did, you never took each day for granted. You just didn't. Um, my mother was a nurse. My dad was in the military. There were times I didn't know which one would come home or if they would, right? There was that life was very uncertain for me. Now I have a little bit more of a stable life. However, I still celebrate each day. Well, and I think celebration is a thing entrepreneurs miss. We, we set goals and, and then we make sales calls and we do these things and we don't celebrate the wins <laughs> along the way. Um, and right. a lot of times, right? They, they just feel like, oh, I, I got that deal. Oh, I closed that. Oh, we did that. And, and there's not a lot of celebration. So the brain doesn't have a lot of motivation to repeat it. Oh, am I the only one that does the Snoopy happy dance when I get my contract? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 25,000. Uh-huh. <laughs> am I the only one that does that? I don't think so. You're not I think only, we celebrate. <laughs> you're not the only one, but there are others that don't necessarily do the Snoopy dance. They don't do the Snoopy happy dance? Oh, my gosh. Come I think on, of the Snoopy dance is his feet just going... <laughs> I hear Schroeder's music playing in the background. Right, right. It's a fun time, man. We party down. Yeah, but, but I think culturally, as as a culture, sure. and especially entrepreneurs, we just we we don't celebrate enough. You you absolutely you could celebrate three more times today at least. Yes, you know. <laughs> I don't know about anybody else, but I'm very grateful for that bed that's in my uh, mm. in my room because I spent years and years on a mattress on the floor because, you know, we've all been there, right? Entrepreneurs, you know, you know how far you can live, like 
how close to the bone you can live is what the Native Americans say. How close to the bone are you living? And, you know, a lot of us have lived pretty close, you know, and we managed to pull out and we're successful now. And, and so when people say, well, what is your measure for success? And I'm like, I woke up this morning and that was a celebration because there had been times where I didn't know if I'd make it through the night, literally, because I was having trouble breathing. <laughs> So we've all had those experiences, though, and we we blow them off like, well, that's just life. No, no, that is a celebration. You're still breathing. It's cool. All right. I'm trying to decide which one of these to ask because I, I can go either way. So what's you you decide for me? How's OK. That? What, all right. Which one has had the biggest impact, I guess? And then what is that impact being an author or podcaster? Uh, uh, being a podcaster, because being an author was very deliberate. Uh, it was scheduled, it was planned and executed. <laughs> Here it comes. Being a podcaster fell on my lap and I went, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And the next thing I know, people were hiring me to do it. And I went, sure. And yeah, never thought in a million years I would be considered a white glove podcaster, which means we do the whole range of services for you. We're done for you. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Not I. <laughs> Not I. Biggest surprise ever. Well, and, and so what's been the biggest impact uh, of hosting a podcast and helping biggest, others host podcasts? Right. Uh, I say the biggest impact has been just how the world has come through my Zoom screen. I have learned so much. And I used to think that I needed to be a librarian because I want to just hang out with all of those books mm. that were authors that were, you know, all that advice. We go right back around to that advice. And I have had some of the most amazing people on my podcast or for other people's podcasts. And I have learned so much. And it's like, this is the best library on planet. And it's all audio. It's great. <laughs> so that's the biggest impact. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. <clears throat> All right. What's, what's Janine's big dream? Oh, my big dream. I, I've already accomplished a minute. I'm working on the second big dream. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, literally, it, I had a big dream and I achieved that in Dece on December 26th of 2010. And I achieved it. And it took me almost seven years to figure out what to do next because I had set the bar, I thought, impossibly high. <laughs> I thought this will never happen if it takes me till 75, I'll be there. I made it much earlier than that. And so it took me almost seven years to figure out what was the next big dream. So right now, honestly, it's um, waking up each day and appreciating it and celebrating it and then being able to be enthusiastic for others when they celebrate like when they celebrate woohoo i wrote my first book yay you know being enthusiastic for them and then if i can't be enthusiastic because it's been kind of a bummer day for me and i'm not quite in that space then i just want to be able to enjoy their enthusiasm mm -hmm. and if i can't even be there because it's been a really sucky day then i just want to accept the fact that you know what i'm going to feel better and you know what thank you very much for being in my space and celebrating the fact that you finished your book <laughs> nice yeah. yeah i love it all right so you spent an hour with an entrepreneur you just finished you haven't your coffee and, and time together on a Sunday afternoon. 
and you want to leave them with Janine's words of wisdom, what would you share? Never stop being you. And if you've got a dream, you go after it. And if you're sitting there looking at your bank account and you don't know where the next dollar is going to come from, but you just know you need to hang on, please hang on. The money's coming. And I don't know where it's coming from. And I don't know how it's going to unfold for you. But stop demanding that the money come to you through your business or through a program or a process. Allow the money to come from you from any source. Mm -hmm. And I know that you may be thinking, Janine, that sounds crazy, or I don't know how that's going to happen. And just realize sometimes the universe unfolds money for you, and it comes through an avenue that you never would have expected. So allow the opportunity to present itself. So powerful. Janine, thank you so much for hanging out and sharing so much fun with me. And I learned some great things about hand sewing. I know I would never guessed. And so uh, thank you for sharing. You betcha. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. ADDValueMindset.com. In our next episode, Tina Brandau. Tina is a success coach specializing in helping leaders and entrepreneurs navigate change so they can reach the other side stronger, faster, and more resilient.